Hello, and welcome to the Move Better at Home podcast, where I, Laura Turner, a physical therapist and strength coach, talk about home fitness solutions to help you move easier, improve your fitness, and enhance how you move throughout your entire life. Now let's get on to the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Move Better at Home podcast. Today, I have with me Rocky Snyder from Rocky's Fitness Center in Santa Cruz, California. Um, I'm very excited to talk with Rocky uh, because I, I know Rocky through Anatomy of Motion that we met in about 2014 when I first took it. Um, and he's just uh, really excelled in uh, how he's incorporated and how he uses movement with it. And, um, you know, and then I saw him again and got to visit his fitness facility, which is amazing in Santa Cruz. Um, and so I'm very excited to talk to you. Hi, Rocky. Welcome to Move Better Podcast. Oh, Laura, it's so good to see you. I, I've just, I've missed your face. It's it's always nice to connect with somebody else in the anatomy and motion world and just a, a fellow mover. So thanks for having me on. Uh, so tell me a little bit about your fitness journey um, and start from Reading. <laughs> Start All right, good, good, yes. <laughs> yes. I am a, a native Massachusetts, born and bred, in fact, many generations, like uh, many of my neighbors. I mean, I, I grew up in the house that my great-grandparents had in Reading, Massachusetts, and then my grandmother grew up there, my dad grew up in the house, and then, then it was my turn, too, and we all went to the same schools and so on over the years, and our families date back to, like, the mid-1600s or so when Reading was first I think incorporated in, in 1639 or so. So yeah, Massachusetts all the way, New England sports fan, big time. I've been out here in Santa Cruz for 30 years. I, I have to admit, I love the San Jose Sharks. I do hold a, a true spot in my heart for the Bruins, but I have had to really switch over to the Sharks as well as the San Jose Earthquakes, the Major League Soccer team, go Quakes, but everything else, Pats, Die Hard, Sox and Seas, you got it. Uh, but I grew up in New England, and I loved playing sports. I loved everything outdoors. I remember my parents saying, are you coming in or coming out? I can't stand that door slamming every time, so choose one. And I chose outside, and, and I thrived on the outdoors. And it wasn't until later in my teenage years that I actually went back indoors for, for kind of exercise. A buddy of mine took me to a gym. I didn't think anything really of it at the time. I thought it was gonna be boring because all you did was stand there and count to 10 several times in an hour. And instead of going to climb trees or whitewater canoeing or, or playing mud football or anything like that. And uh, lo and behold, I really enjoyed it. I actually loved it. I was paving asphalt driveways on my cousin's paving business in the summer in New England in the lovely heat and humidity. Yeah. And then working out in this chicken coop of a gym where all you needed was like a wife beater tank top and blue jeans. And that was the, that was the attire. And if you needed some water, there was a hose out back you could suck on if you really do. Like it was just like, ugh, rusty barbells and everything. So it, it felt like home in a way. And, and I've loved working out ever since. I went to the University of Massachusetts when I finished there in Amherst. And with a, a degree, a bachelor's of arts and English literature of all things, I found some friends that went west. 
and they moved to Santa Cruz and eventually I followed them not too long after living in Yellowstone for a, a season and moved over to Santa Cruz and I, I haven't left since. There was a health club that was looking for some staffing. I became an exercise instructor and within a couple of years I was their fitness director and was one of the first personal trainers in the early 90s here in Santa Cruz. And I just, I, I love movement, I love studying it, I love everything about the human body and there's so much to learn and I feel like I've just scratched the surface and I've been doing it now for 27 years as a strength and conditioning coach. And so that, that is it in a nutshell. Somewhere along the way, I discovered the importance of posture and the alignment of the body and the structural strength it has when it's in the right spot. I also realized that many of the exercises we really like doing pull us out of that alignment. And if we do it long enough, it brings about problems. And there was always that kind of question in my head, if we're doing these things to make us better, why is it that so many people are suffering from joint issues and so on? So that got me studying even more, which brought me through the Gray Institute, the Egoscu method or approaches similar to that. And eventually I met you about six years ago in the first anatomy and motion course that really looks at how every joint in the body moves through the entire gait cycle. And uh, I've been gobbling up that ever since. Yeah, um, that's, that's an awesome journey. That's, uh, uh, and I, uh, I love that you started with outside because uh, I've been talking with my sister a lot lately and like that like kids just don't go outside and play. Like, yeah, things are shut down. Like go outside, be outside, do things. And I think that's um, it's a, it's lost a little bit these days and maybe it'll start to turn around a little bit as things change and the world evolves right now. But um, that's a, um, a huge, um, I think. I, I couldn't agree more. I think, I mean, just the simple fact, if you get out early in the morning, you get some melanin, and then in the evening when the sun goes down, it converts to melatonin and you get a nice night's sleep. I mean, so many people, whether they're late sleepers or they just stay indoors, they don't get that element of being outdoors, not to mention the, the open air and the energy that you feel of just being outside. There is, with, with the advance of technology and, and everything else in our society, it is coming at a cost. And, and that's just one of them, yeah. I agree. Um, so I, I would love uh, maybe at another point we can kind of dive into a different uh, the Gray Institute and and anatomy motion to me I, I haven't taken anything with the Gray Institute but I've taken through perform better which I uh, so bummed that that the summits aren't happening but I'm glad that you're able to get out there and, and talk on that um, but through through one of the summits I had um, I can't, I can't remember his name, but there was a couple of different speakers that were that were from the Gray Institute, and they really got dove into 3D movement, and um, and, uh, and so I, I think that's very along the same lines as anatomy motion. Um, I don't want to necessarily compare and contrast them, but, or at, by any means, but I think it's cool that you kind of thought that that postural end took you into the movement as well and and they kind of yeah you know the, the gray institute is fantastic gary gray out of michigan physical therapist from the 70s all the way through now has been a very big proponent of three-dimensional movement and at the time i was studying posture we were breaking it down into the three planes of motion and so he was starting to get into 
much more of a, a movement based rather than just static posture that I was studying. And I just, honestly, my first encounter was on a VHS tape. That tells you how long ago it was. <laughs> and, and his movements were called the matrix, like the movie. And he has movements that he takes a simple action and then starts to move it through a forward and backward action, a side to side action and a rotational action. So the X, Y, Z axes. And for those that are listening, the planes of motion, sagittal plane, forward and backwards, frontal plane, side to side, transverse plane, rotating left and right. And he started to tweak these movements. And I loved the exploration of that. And that just got me deeper into walking through their programs and their certifications. And I took one called the Chain Reaction in San Diego in mid-2013, and it brought in the consideration of the foot and how when the foot strikes the ground, the chain reaction that has to occur through the entire body. I love that information because up until that point, no one was really looking at the foot. We were looking at the hips, the pelvis, the spine, uh, the arm swing, the leg swing, but no one was considering how the foot came into play. And it wasn't long after that I, I read this excerpt from a book called What the Foot, and I sent away for it, and then the author sent me this little insert saying, thanks for purchasing it. If you want to learn more, perhaps take one of our workshops. And this was from the United Kingdom, London, and I'm thinking, well, I don't know if I'll ever travel to London right now, but wouldn't you know it, it was in San Francisco or just north of there in only a few months. And so it was almost like kismet. I, I knew that this was something I had to pursue. And that's, of course, uh, where we crossed our paths. And, and I haven't looked back since that moment. Getting a better understanding of what the entire body does has been the game changer for how I develop programs and how I even look at how we train in the strength and conditioning world as fitness professionals in, in America as well as globally, and we're missing large components in my not so humble opinion, and we have been predicated all of our programming on competitive sports or competitions, bodybuilding, powerlifting, and Olympic weightlifting. And we haven't been designing our programs based on actually how a person stands and supports themselves against the gravity of planet Earth, or how we land or leave the planet in regards to how we walk or how we run. And those are the most fundamental things that a human can deal with. I'm kind of really scratching my head. Why aren't we developing programs based on these simple principles of human existence? And so that's, that's kind of where my, my mission is now is to offer an alternative approach to how we strength and condition and, and how we create fitness in our world. So that leads me to two questions. Uh, the first I wanna talk about is uh, how is your, the, your book that you recently uh, released and cause I suspect a lot of that delves into that. And then the second is how you incorporate that, how you actually make that happen in, uh, in a strength and conditioning facility. Um, so what's your book yeah. called is the first question. I guess that's the start right. <laughs> So the, yeah, the book is, the title is Return to Center, Strength Training to Realign the Body, Recover from Pain and Achieve Optimal Performance. And the, the goal here is to not create perfect symmetry or perfect alignment because that is a mythological place that even if somebody were to attain that, it would be only in a 
fraction of a second before we we orbit outside of that. But the goal is to at least travel in that direction where we bring the body back into better balance and alignment where all the joints and muscles function at their optimal best. So we take into consideration a person's posture and their joint mechanics to help develop a program that takes them through movements that they haven't been experiencing properly or ever and starts to wake up the body in ways that the mechanical, robotic, repetitive actions seen in a gym have a tendency to reinforce and to pull us away from our aligned positions. It doesn't mean that those exercises are bad in any way. They're just being used with a designed program that doesn't take into consideration posture alignment so much. So if we did take that into consideration, we could select the traditional exercises that we typically do in a gym or a health club and actually use them to even a greater benefit to reduce overworked tissue, inflammation, bursitis, tendonitis, uh, arthritis, all of those things that can culminate through improper program design. Even though it, you're getting stronger and bigger and, and all the things are happening, you may right. be losing weight, you may be doing it, but in the long run, it's going to come at a cost. So how we integrate that information is, is I guess that we, there's, there's assessments that we particularly use and we reassess throughout a person's program to make sure that we're on the right track. Where are the shoulders in relation to the hips? Where is the spine and so on? And what we'll find is there's only so many basic ways in which the body can move. The spine can flex forward or extend backwards. It can side bend or laterally flex to the right or left. And it can also rotate to the right or left. That is basically it. Now, we can have many components or combinations of those movements, but if we can get the body to experience those actions, then we're ahead of the game. And the same holds true for the shoulders, the pelvis and the hips. There's only so many combinations or so many, so many basic elements of movement, but as you combine different elements together, we can get uh, an extraordinary numerous amounts of movement. You just watch any gymnast or, or dancer, whether it's hip hop or, or classical ballet, you're gonna see the body do remarkable things. Uh, and so I guess the, the other thing is, is that what, how do we define strength? I know how you define fitness, but how do we truly define strength? And up until this point, strength has been all about how much force can the body produce? Mm -hmm. How much weight can it lift? Uh, and how big potentially can the muscles get? That is our criteria for determining strength. However, we actually, strength is dictated by our central nervous system. Our brain is going to tell the muscles how much force it can produce. And typically it has a governing wire that does not allow the muscles to produce more than the appropriate amount of force because it may cause damage, tearing or rupturing. So there's always this dampening wire. However, as we get better into aligned positions and we function at a higher level, our strength levels will automatically increase because our central nervous system will upregulate a greater degree of allowed force. So now you've got to scratch your head and go, well, maybe it's 
not all about just brute force and muscle size. Maybe it's about how my brain controls my muscles and what is going to give me the best response through my nervous system to allow my muscles to do what they need to do. And so we want to take a more educated approach to simply strength and conditioning in, in regards to don't worry so much about the quantity of weight that you lift or how much force you produce in a certain exercise, but let's look at the quality of how you do it. There will be many places in which I could put a certain position of a, a person's body and that will elicit an overwhelming uh, response, meaning that I put them in a place they don't commonly go and that's going to be really hard for them. And the last thing I need to do is actually add more load to that until they get to a point where they can handle it. I think in general, we add weight too soon in the strength conditioning world. We have a person come into our studio and instantly we want to hand them a barbell, a kettlebell, a dumbbell, or battle ropes. And we don't even concern ourselves on average with how they're truly moving and if they're capable of even handling their own body weight. So a lot of the, the movements and drills that are in the book, actually none of the models or photographs are really showing any dumbbells or barbells because I want to get across the message that you need to be responsible for owning or res responsible for doing the movement prior to trying to load it and, and try and create even greater degrees of intensity. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's and that, uh, I like how you, because I've been trying to define strength in my own head beyond, you know, you have to lift heavy weights. And, um, and so I think that's a great uh, description and in, in that it's important to be able to, to challenge different movement patterns before necessarily adding load. Uh, so absolutely, I think that's a, that's a huge, uh, you know, I'm sure you'll agree with your practice over the years on average we are seeing weaker and weaker structures walk into the mm -hmm. clinics and gyms because technology and the advances in communication transportation internet are increasing at an exponential rate it would seem so that the need for purposeful physical movement is at an all-time low yeah. and if we don't use it we lose it so now we're getting people coming in here that are structurally weaker than their parents were at the same age like the programs that were designed 30 or 40 years ago the interesting thing is we're still using a lot of those programs but we're using them on a population that is actually starting at a more compromised place and the, the, the irony or the insanity here is what do we have as the most popular approach to fitness right now are super high intensity training or high intensity interval training, short bursts of explosive behavior on a frame that who knows if it can handle it. It's, it's putting a, a race car engine into a go-kart and expecting the whole body to maintain it together it's just going to rattle apart and I, I really think we're seeing uh, almost a oh we're not going to use that p word because we've used it enough here but we're seeing a a trend yeah. and that trend is is not the direction that i would like to see it yeah i think i think the next couple of years will be interesting in seeing how uh movement changes and and uh body fitness, but whole body health because of everything right now is uh, 
uh, going to be different and hopefully we can hopefully with the work you're doing and that we've been working on to get like that we can make a positive impact and change and get people exploring a little somebody commented uh on facebook about you know what do you do for play and i was like i don't play <laughs> like and then i thought i need to get back like i really there are moments when I will like I'll get down and I'll crawl and do you know but like I'm I shy away from exploring motion and I'm trying to do that more into my warm-ups and you know when I get outside or whatever and trying to allow myself to kind of sense and feel a little bit more um, but you know I'll do it you know it's very common to let that go but play and exploring movement and however that is I think is is important a piece of I just yeah. Yeah. I, I think somewhere along into the path to adulthood, we we cease playing and we get much more linear and more structured. And ironically, that has a, a detrimental effect on our physical structure. Yeah. So yeah, climbing trees or playing tag with the kids or just uh, on a spur of a moment going for a hike somewhere or rolling around on the ground with your pets. Uh, it can be a phenomenal, a phenomenal uh, way of just awakening areas that, that haven't experienced that movement in quite some time. Yeah. And I think that's my goal is, is to explore the dark zones, to explore the places that we don't travel. Because if we, if we don't go in a certain place, if we don't allow our bodies to move in a certain direction, then there is no nerve stimulation. And the less stimulation, the less connection we have. And so pretty soon, the more robotic our movements become, the more we paint ourselves in a corner, and the less likely we will have that freedom or license to move in three-dimensional space with ease and with the least amount of restriction. So, yeah, play is, is definitely an important part of it. Yeah. So that kind of leads me to your uh, recent uh, push-up challenge, which... Is, uh, as a challenge was not necessarily geared towards play, but you made it very playful and engaging to watch and uh, incorporated a lot, incorporated push-ups in a variety of different surfaces, um, uh, which I think is super important. Like, I think it's important for people to see because we may go to the gym or we may do push-ups at home, but they're always the same and always on the same surface. And now you're challenging. And, and so some of the things you did was, you know, like on the treadmill and your finale, people can go find it and watch it like, oh my gosh, um, you know, but, uh, you know, doing it on a moving surface and uh, different surfaces. Uh, so how did you get there to be able to do that? <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, it was a 25 day challenge and you had to perform 25 push-ups, and it was to raise awareness for a certain group like PTSD or mental illness or whatnot. A friend had, had nominated me and I wasn't going to shy away from it, but I told him that's like nominating a vegetarian not to eat meat for 25 days. You know, that's yeah. okay. <laughs> so I got to make it challenging in my own way. And I need to put some kudos out to the Gray Institute because they're the ones that kind of opened my eyes to the fact that there's 27 hand positions that we can achieve through three-dimensional space. We can have the hands out wide. They can be kind of neutral by shoulder width, or they can be narrow and almost touching. And then along the sagittal plane, they can be neutral, but one hand can be forward while the other hand's back or vice versa. And I can also turn my hands internally or externally. And when we start to add up the combinations, it comes out to 27 hand positions. So I liked playing around with that 
years ago and knowing that it's kind of like walking in a room that has carpet and the more you walk over the same path, the more that area of the carpet gets worn down. And pre pretty soon you see a path in the carpeting and there's a wear pattern. And it's the same thing with, say, performing push-ups day after day after day with the same hand position, like you say, on the same surface. Is yes, you'll get strong, but you're creating wear patterns in your body if you don't start changing it up. So when you walk into a room, the, the goal here is to explore all of the carpeting and to explore the corners. And so uh, every day I would, I would say, okay, I can change something. What am I going to change? I can change the direction that I'm doing a push-up in. So maybe I'll, I'll diagonally descend toward one hand and push back up to center and then diagonally descend to the other. Or I can make a circular pattern as I go up and down with my body. Also, I don't have to stay in place. I could actually crawl while doing push-ups. And we have these exercise plastic gliders that glide across the, the floor. So I could put my hands on the gliders and I can continually do push-ups while my legs are pushing me across the floor. We have those suspension trainers. The uh, common brand is called TRX, but we've got other ones. And what if I put my feet into the handles of one and held onto the handles of another set nearby and be like a puppet? And can I get my arms and legs to move while I'm moving up and down? And so then it just became a game. Okay, I've got a balance board. How can I use the balance board? Can I change some one thing to change the outcome? And, and can I do it so that I don't have to repeat that? So that became my goal. Every, every day it had to be something different than the last. So essentially I had, I went 26 days. So I had 26 variations and, and lo and behold, everyone started to enjoy watching yeah. and wondering what you're going to do next. So I think it was pretty inspiring, at least based on the comments that we got. And, and hopefully what it did, it was it opened up a person's perspective or awareness or that like the doors of perception that yeah. there's more than one way to skin a cat. Yeah. And uh, it was fun. Yeah, that was, I mean, well, and I like to look at movement and it opened my eyes to multiple, you know, new ways. So that was awesome. Yeah. How do you, how, um, another, uh, activity that I know you enjoy and I'll say passionate about, but is, uh, surf, surfing and, uh, surf, yeah, surfing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so how has your, um, with your movement exploration, how has that, changed your ability or your, uh, your, your surfing experience? Mm. Wow, no one ever asked me that question. That's really good. I, I comically say, I, I humorously say that I'm probably the greatest surfer to ever come out of Reading, Massachusetts. But <laughs> I, I don't know that for a fact. But, uh, I've been surfing for, oh, I don't know, since uh, the 90s, 25, 30 years or so. And I love it. Of course, Santa Cruz is is one of the most fertile surf spots in the world. We, we get waves, uh, I would like to say every day. Right now it's kind of small, but I, I get my kids out there. And, and you know what it has done? It has provided me with a greater degree of longevity and a lesser degree of injury or wear and tear. The exploration of movement feeds very well into the actions on a surfboard. Not only, of course, are we dealing with balance, but the majority of time is spent lying down on the board and paddling to get back to the wave. And riding a wave is only, at best, maybe a 10 or 20 second ride on the average. So the majority of time that you're out there on the water, 
you're either sitting trying to balance or you're paddling. And, and some of us go for long distance paddles to incorporate a, a little bit more endurance for when the waves get bigger and the current's stronger in the winter time. But what I've noticed is that by opening up different areas of my body, like the hips and the ankles and my mid back, it allows my shoulders to function better. And by allowing my spine to move in three dimensions really takes away the strain that accompanies surfing after a long period of time. And I, I say that because I, I have a lot of people that are, <clears throat> excuse me, older surfers, and they come in with the same kind of problems, and that is their lower back and their knees or their neck. And so when you think about the areas that are in between or on either side of those common areas that give them problems, you're going to find the areas that I've been exploring movement in. So neighboring to the neck would be the mid back and neighboring to the low back and knees in between would be the hips. And even if we followed the knees below, the ball and socket of the foot ankle complex is there. So as soon as we lose movement in one area, we must gain it somewhere else. So over the years of people not playing or sitting too long, not moving their bodies with purpose, certain areas will start to reduce their ability to move. And it's typically around the hips, typically around the mid back, and typically around the, the feet and ankles. And so the areas that have to take up more movement are generally speaking, the knees, the low back and the neck. So it's not uncommon and it makes sense that you'll run across people, surfers or non-surfers, that have those as their common complaint sites. Oh, my knees are killing me. My low back. Oh, my neck. There's a reason for it. It's, it's, it's just basically human engineering and, and how we are, are positioned. And if we can open up areas of restriction, then it's amazing how that reduces the wear and tear in other areas. That's uh, that's a really cool way to look at you know, um, and I would I would think it would help uh, because you're creating better space for movement. And you you had said in the beginning, you know, you, yes, we try to bring things to center and get balanced, but that we don't really we don't stay there. We there you know there's that, there's inherent movement you know every you know, and it's not necessarily a big movement, but it's just enough movement. And I would think that incorporating all those different movements, getting each joint to move better and be more nutritious and in their movement, that that would uh, help to uh, allow better range of that inherent stable movement. Yeah. You know, when, when we were in that workshop together with Anatomy in Motion, do you recall with, whether you were receiving movements to help unlock areas that are restricted or, or engage muscles that weren't activating the way they should or so on, whether it was you or one of our colleagues in the class, our classmates, do, do you recall the, the sensation that they received after doing that work? They, they almost were floating across the ground and they were bouncing and their, their demeanor also, their emotional state, which was fascinating to see, changed as well. There was this kind of sense of wonder, like, this is great. I am feeling so light. I am not, I haven't felt movement like this in so long. It got me thinking, why aren't our patients and clients necessarily thinking the same thing after they're done working out? 
And that was early on. And it just reinforced that question to me, and it made me answer it at the same time going, because we're not taking the same approach in fitness or in, in no offense to the rehab world, but we're not really following it through in rehabilitation. We are still stuck in isolated movements, really work on the burn and getting that weak muscle to really isolate it and engage it. And now it's screaming and we're walking around like we just got beat up. And yeah. it, I know it's supposed to be good for me, even though I'm not feeling like that. So, and then I started looking outside that and going, well, okay, there's chiropractic medicine. That's all about bringing the body back into alignment. There's yoga that's been going on. Well, chiropractic's 125 years this, this year, it'll be 125 years old in September, I believe. Um, acupuncture, that's that hundreds if not thousands of years old. Yoga is five to 10,000 years old. And martial arts, is they all have the same fundamental philosophy, including massage therapy. We can even bring in Feldenkrais. And, and it's all about restoring the body back into a more centrated or balanced position. And I thought, well, why can't we do the same thing with, with strength and conditioning? And as soon as we started to try and apply that philosophy onto our clients' workouts, the most remarkable thing happened. They were getting the same kind of response that we were seeing in the anatomy and motion workshop. I had a high jumper here recently. I gave him just a couple of movements, a couple of strength exercises. He started jumping around like he had not jumped in a while. He was going, oh my gosh, this, this feels like I was back in high school. I mean, that's the results we want in strength and conditioning. Not like, oh, you beat me up again. Oh, man, I'm going to be – I was sore for three days. I could barely move. Right. If you got somebody coming back to you saying that, you're actually – you're doing them a disservice by right. not allowing them to move. They should be walking out there ready to go play tennis or something else. It's just it, – it needs to be a different result than what we're seeing. And I think you're, uh, you said it straight up 100% uh, before about, you know, we, we are in such a mindset that like, oh, I just got to go work hard and I got to work and, you know, bulk up and big and uh, not and exercise for the sake of exercise versus exercise to actually move better, to actually perform better. Um, and yes, there are strength and conditioning programs that do sport training, but it's all, it's very similar too. It's not necessarily creating that movement to allow the body in general to move better. It's, it's, it's just, let's, let's see how big we can do and, or how much we can do and, um, in one plane. And so I, I think that that's, um, I think there's a huge message that you're, that you're getting out there. And, um, so thank you for that. I mean, that and going on with that, that's a uh, huge. I appreciate that. And I think it is, it, it's seeping out there, you know, recently within the last month, I've, I've been contacted by uh, two of the NFL teams or, or, or strength coaches, athletic trainers that work on two NFL teams that had come across either a podcast or the book and, and it was making a lot of sense. And they're going, okay, this is, I think this is the missing link. This is what we've been missing in our strength conditioning. And this is going to help us reduce the injuries as well as increase the performance. So at least um, that's, that's what's been going on. I hope it continues. I know I'm not the only one that is, is espousing this kind of philosophy or approach. There's several others out there. And, and I'm glad that the message is getting out there because uh, the, the way in which we have been 
strengthening and conditioning clients has been effective, but I also it comes at a cost. And the orthopedists and the physical therapists and the chiropractors will all chime in and saying, yeah, it's, that's, that's going to be the outcome if you keep performing these programs the way they're designed. You're, you're not enhancing your, your longevity or your athletic career. You're actually going to be shortening it. So it is happening. I, and I, no matter what, there's going to be all those others that will just not just shake their heads and go, that makes no sense. I'm going to stick with what works. And that's fine. Right. Uh, I, I can't, I, I can't uh, appease to everybody, but hopefully there'll be a few people out there that say, wow, that is, that makes sense. I, I want to do something along that lines. Yeah, I agree. So if uh, you could give one tip for uh, a, for something to somebody to help work on their fitness at home, what would that be? All right. Well, I, I've got a lot of videos on our YouTube channel. You just go Rocky Snyder, CSCS, and you can check out a whole bunch of those. There are three-dimensional workouts. There's one where you're only using a backpack, and there's shelter-in-place workouts that you, all you need is a broomstick and a couple cans and a chair or whatever, just using the things around your house. You can go there, but ultimately, if we could boil down movement to the, the basics, we are are humans that are either constantly landing on the planet or driving off of the planet. That is, in essence, how we move through space, how we walk. So those are two elements we need to be better at. How does our body land when we take a step? Every joint has a role to play. And when those joints move in a certain way, they allow the muscles to behave the way they should. And everything works in a concerted, integrative manner. Now, there is very limited wear and tear on the body, and it's it's much more profound way of moving, and the same when we're pushing off the planet. So one thing would be is to just practice, honestly, to, to go out and practice walking. That would be one thing. But to do movements that are much more reflective of how you step. So a simple lunge, and not a deep lunge, but just maybe an exaggerated step. Can you do that evenly on your left foot as you can on your right foot while going forward? What about when traveling sideways? Can you step to the right as evenly as you can step left? Or what about backwards with one foot at a time? Or rotating to the left with the left leg and rotating to the right with the right leg? Start to explore how it is you're able to step and find the places that you struggle and see if you can practice doing that so that you get better at it. I mean, just a basic thing like that, it seems basic, but it has this cascade effect over the entire, the entire body and actually all the systems of the body. Now, walking, we've been doing for somewhere between one to two million years, and it has been what has propelled the functions of every organ in our body. So if you're feeling like your digestive system's kind of funky, go for a walk and see how it feels after that. If you're feeling like your back's giving you a little bit of crankiness, go for a walk and see how it feels after that. 90% of the people that do that are going to feel like, wow, it's actually better because that's what walking does. And the more we can do it within reason, the, the better we're off we're going to be for it. So yeah. that would be my basic takeaway. It sounds simple, but it's actually quite far-reaching when you really understand the underlying, the underpinnings of what walking does to the system. Yeah. 
uh, I'll add on to your, you know, uh, I've, I've worked with a lot of people who, who complain of pain when walking, and one cue I will give them is, is challenging your stride length, you know, and seeing, uh, tuning into it, seeing which one is, you know, feels like it's longer. Can you take a longer step with the other one? And if that doesn't make it feel better or worse, and then try it the other way and see the same thing. And um, so that, because I think that movement in walking, like is so, you know, really, uh, like you said, it just promotes so much health benefits that it's, uh, you know, that, and if you can be comfortable, you know, it's better. Yeah, along that same line, I guess another takeaway would be, if you were standing in your bare feet and you looked down at your feet, Without lifting the feet off the ground, simply lift your toes off the floor and keep the feet down. Which big toe doesn't lift as high as the other one? Whichever that toe is, the one that doesn't lift as high, when you go walking, every time that leg swings forward, just think of lifting the big toe. That's it. And you don't have to beat yourself up if you forget, but every now and then just kind of remind yourself, okay, I'm going to lift that big toe. And that may very well help to clean up a lot of your gait mechanics, uh, potentially. But it's just a simple little thing you could do because that sets that foot up for striking better. It allows the hamstring on that leg to lengthen a little bit more, the hip flexor on the opposite hip to lengthen a little bit more. And you may notice that it changes the spring in your step when you do it a little bit, so. Great advice. So if uh, people want to reach out and learn more about you and, uh, and what, you, what you're doing, how can they reach you? Well, these days, I guess social media is king, especially sheltered in place. So we've been, yeah, yeah we've been putting a lot out in terms of educational platform, video content. You know, if you want to see my push-ups, I guess you can go to Facebook and just, uh, just add me as a friend, Rocky Snyder. You can go to Rocky's Fitness Center on Facebook as well with uh, Rocky underscore Snyder is my Instagram. So you can check that out. Well, RockySnyder.com is our website where you can check out the book as well, but it's also being sold on all the major booksellers like Amazon, Barnes and Nobles and the like. And within a few weeks, it will be, uh, be able to be internationally distributed through a publisher in the UK. So that will be nice too. So it can be a little bit more uh, wide reaching, but yeah, just do a search on Google for Rocky Snyder and Santa Cruz and you're, you're bound to find me. Cool. And I will put some links in the show notes as well. Um, uh, and uh, so make sure that you'll be, you'll be flooded with, with uh, <laughs> messages. Just, I just love it. I love it. Right yeah. I love talking shop. So if there's any movement professionals out there and you, you want to go a little bit deeper into what we were talking about, I'm, I'm happy to sit down and chat because I just love it. I learned so much from so many other people that uh, it's just another way of giving back. Cool. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Rocky. Um, I know I will be reaching out to you again in the future. I, your book is on order for me. So as soon as I get through it, I'm going to probably reach out and say, let's talk again. If you do have a table with one leg shorter than the other, that book comes in handy more than just for me, right? <laughs> but I appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time. This has been great. I love chatting and catching up with you especially. Same here. I appreciate it. All right, everybody. We'll talk to you next time. Have a great day. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Move Better at Home podcast. If you're having difficulty managing your health and fitness at home and want to learn more, 
then follow the link below to download my free guide to health and fitness and take the first step in helping you to achieve your health and fitness goals at home. Have a great day.